This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host Ethan Hamilton. This is episode 109, our 2022 pre-NFL draft extravaganza. And we're going to be talking nothing but fantasy prospects that will hear their names called later this week. But first, if you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020, and you can now find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. With that, E, do you have any NFL draft rituals? Uh, no. Wow. That's a really good question. No, I don't think so. Maybe more so for when like fantasy comes around, but no, the draft is kind of just something I'll, I'll watch. So my dad used to have a tradition when I was very young, he told my mother, I am taking the entire weekend and I'm not moving from the couch. And then he co-opted me in about 1997 into doing that with him for about three or four years. And he would go get himself like a six pack of beer and get me like a four pack of Sprecher's root beer. And that was what we did is two days worth of the draft. You just sit and you watch. And that's all you were going to do all weekend was just sit and watch the draft. Now, since it's moved to Thursday, Friday nights, I really don't watch much on Saturday. I'll be honest, because I'm just waiting to see who the names are. They're coming so fast that half the time the draft, like, repertoire of oh break down this guy from South Dakota State versus this guy from Northern Illinois I just want to see where they end up more than anything else and by the time we get to Saturday there's probably a lot of basketball and hockey and other things going on that you know the four through seven rounds while they are important for apparently the Green Bay Packers just aren't for a lot of other teams so as far as this I'm probably just going to get some beer I'm going to sit back I'll enjoy Thursday I'll flip between that and the Bucks playoff game on Friday, and well, provided they don't win Wednesday, and uh, we'll uh, see what happens. Uh, a lot of things coming up as Packer fans this weekend. So before we get to my pre, well, our pre-draft rookie prospect rankings, are there any prospects that you that you're really excited to see where they end up? No, and that more so has to do with kind of what I'm doing win my with my dynasty team you know um, selling a lot of these 22 picks moving into 23 so I'm really trying not to fall in love with somebody because that's ultimately what I'll do if I if I dig down deep but honestly if there's someone I'm really looking to see where he goes I'm going to go with James Cook just because I think he could be one of the top running backs in this draft depending on where he's at or he could just kind of be average to just strictly a receiving back so he's kind of one I'm interested to see as well as George Pickens out of Georgia we're just reading a lot of things where there are a couple red flags where he's got to end up in the right situation Um, so he's another person that I'm kind of interested to see because the talent for him is there so I have a few names that I'm really enamored with I really like several of the names at the top of this tight end draft class And I'm curious to see what kind of systems they end up in, whether they're going to be utilized more as the Mike Gusecki, Kyle Pitts tight end type, 
where I think that's the skill set that is plentiful at times during the top of the draft, uh, at least for this tight end draft class. There's a few inline blocking multiple uh, factor tight ends that are available, but I think those fall a little bit more down the list. Those are the guys, but the guys that are more receiver types are going to be more fantasy relevant. And I'm curious to see where some of those end up like a Isaiah likely or a Trey McBride type. That being said, having the number one overall pick, I'm of course infatuated where Brees Hall is going to end up anywhere from Kansas City to maybe Buffalo, just as long as it's not with the fucking Jets. <laughs> I mean, there are wastelands and then there are wastelands. Uh, yeah, I would it also does say, sound like, though, it does sound like the Jets are looking to take a, a running back here. I keep hearing that. I wouldn't be surprised because they want to run multiple running back sets. And you know, those Shanahan offenses, they constantly draft or running backs in order to replace the next guy. And they're just kind of rotating new guys in constantly. But as far as wide receivers, there are two guys that I really have my eye on that I'd love to see where they fit into particular offenses. Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. He sounds like the prototypical Packer wide receiver I heard a comp that was the faster Jordy Nelson and my mouth began to water. Christian Watson is also another one that I'm very curious to see where he ends up, particularly because he's fallen anywhere from the late first round into the uh, mid second round. And so I'd be curious where somebody kind of jumps on him as well. But I think more than anything, when you're talking about this class, everybody always, well, for that matter, any draft class, you always start with the quarterback position and where those guys are going to end up being drafted, particularly in what we have collectively said is one of the weakest quarterback classes, probably since, gosh, the EJ Manuel draft. Yeah, I I would have to agree. There's really nobody that sticks out as spectacular, can't miss, so It'll be interesting to see what type of careers these guys have, but I don't really love the quarterback class just like everybody else. Given that we went through the pandemic, we had a lot of guys that ended up coming back to school that were eligible for an extra year. So the depth of this draft more than any other is probably going to be tested. And I think where teams are going to find value is primarily rounds two through about five as opposed to the first round. So the intrigue might actually be Friday night into the midday Saturday, but you could probably find value all over. It's just not, we're not going to get an Ezekiel Elliott picked in the top 10 or a Saquon Barkley picked in the top 10, or for that matter, any of these top 10 wide receivers, we might have one or two, but not none that are like the Calvin Johnson types that are going to be can't miss prospects. So you're going to have to really do your homework if you're in a dynasty league this year as to what guys are potentially going to fit the best and what their potential value may be long term. So with that, let's transition to quarterbacks then. That was the position you wanted, or at least the position group you wanted to start right away with. And I don't know where these guys are going to end up. To me, the growing consensus seems to be that these are going to be more likely than not, but journeyman backup quarterbacks, kind of the Case Keenum types. Some of them have a little bit more athletic ability. Your Malik Willis, I guess Matt Corral to a certain extent. But let's start with our number fives. We'll just do the top five by position uh, to start out with. And I think we have very similar lists as to the uh, top five prospects. Who is your number five? 
Yeah, my five is the same as yours, and that's Sam Howell. Um, at best case scenario, I think he's a Mitchell Trubisky. Um, at worst case, he is a career backup quarterback. He has the ability to use his feet, especially in the red zone, a lot like Mitchell Trubisky, but at the same time lacks accuracy. And I think he's a little late some of the times with some of his throws, but he can you know, read the field. He can get to his second, third, sometimes even fourth guy in progression. It's just, I don't know. He's going to, he's got a lot of work to be successful. I feel like at the next level, he's got certainly the arm strength, but he doesn't have the touch on the ball. As you mentioned with an accuracy for any of these deep balls, I think coming into the year, he was suggested to be maybe one of the top three quarterback choices. And I think consistently he's been hovering around the five position in this quarterback class. So while I'm a little curious because I think that several, well, pretty much all five of these guys are coming in with some dual threat ability and athleticism. And certainly Sam Howell had it over the last two years at North Carolina. I just don't know where he would necessarily fit in and have an opportunity right away to start that would give you some reason to draft him ahead of a lot of the other prospects in the other positional rankings right now. Although you could say that for most of the quarterbacks here. So since we had the same number five, let's skip to number four. Who was your number four? Uh, my number four is actually Desmond Ritter. You know, I, I think he could eventually maybe be a starter. He runs a four five forty, so that's pretty good for a quarterback too. Pretty mobile, obviously. But everything kind of with his mechanics and with it reading the defense is pretty slow. Um, so he's just, especially moving on to the next level, you know, things are going to going to be a lot faster so it'll be interesting to see how he kind of pans out but he's my number four I think the issue with quarterbacks is usually they fall into one of two camps when they're not successful either they're gun shy and they just don't want to throw the ball because they're not confident enough in their arm to fit the ball in or they're so confident that they're going to fit the ball into everything and they end up making a lot of mistakes or getting tipped balls uh, interceptions. Notably, you can overcome the latter as opposed to the former because Brett Favre certainly did that for how many years, but I agree with you. I think Desmond Ritter's a little bit gun shy. I don't think he trusts his reads sometimes and won't deliver the ball on time, and so that can be really detrimental to his overall abilities. That being said, you could probably train some of that out if he doesn't have some of the happy feet he enjoyed in college. Uh, with whichever NFL team he ends up with. And it sounds like there are a lot of NFL teams that think he's a better prospect for this class than maybe the media has been portraying up to this point. So I think he could end up going earlier than we think, but I like his running ability. And part of that is why I ranked him actually number two on my list, as opposed to some of the other ones on here. I ranked it primarily from a dual threat ability in this particular class given that I don't think these guys are going to be starting for the long term. So if you're looking at guys that are going to be able to score fantasy points, you need to kind of go the Jalen Hurts route. So my number four is actually probably the best pure pocket passer of the group, but he also has some mobility. We saw him run a long touchdown in the ACC title game. That's Kenny Pickett. Um, a guy who, again, probably has the most rounded gifted pocket passing ability and probably is 
the most likely to pan out for a longer term career, but I just don't see anything particularly special with him. And because I think he's the least likely of these guys to take off and run or have designed runs for him, I just don't think that his fantasy prospects are particularly high unless for whatever reason, he's a, an immediate starter with a bunch of guys around him that can maybe elevate the rest of his game because he doesn't need to provide the special. So um, for me, Kenny Pickett was number two. I think at worst, he's like Trent Dilfer. I think at best, he's probably like Andy Dalton or something like that. Just Trent Dilfer still won a Super Bowl. You know, I'm saying he's I a guess. safe bet. I'm saying he's a safe bet. Um, but, he's probably your safest pick that you can have in the draft because now, of all the things that you said, too, with his ability in the pocket and just his pure passing ability. Now, to be fair to Trent Dilfer, I like him as an analyst. I have for many years. <laughs> But he used to be the definition of, oh, well, you can win a Super Bowl with anybody. And Dude, my dad picked I'm just on, dad and I picked on Trent Dilfer for years on, on the back of that. But I'm just saying, like, he's safe. You know, he manages a game. You can trust him to lead the offense and not make too big of mistakes, and, but still has the maturity to um, demand respect in the huddle. I just don't know how many 2000 Ravens defenses are walking through the door anytime soon in this uh, seven on seven league. My number, or excuse me, let's give your number three. I I don't want to skip over you here. Uh, my number three is Matt Carell. So we had the big same time. One. Okay. Yeah. Big time arm, right? Um, big time arm has the ability to run as well. Um, it's just, some of his interceptions this past year were kind of just lazy, lazy throws. Um, so there's just things like that that he's got to work on. But he, I think, say, he's got the biggest arm in the draft. I don't think he's the best athlete per se, but I think he is the most athletically talented at times. And between his arm and between his legs, I think he's probably the second most gifted athlete in this class. He's just seemingly raw. I know for a guy that played big time football in the SEC, you wouldn't think that, but he just seems like he needs some polishing. And so he should be going to a team that can sit him on the bench for a couple of years and allow him to kind of grow into a system that doesn't make for a good first round quarterback. And realistically, you might be on your second team by the time he gets a real legitimate shot to start. But I do think that he has the most promise of any of these guys, maybe other than my number one. So then we both gave our number twos already, so we must have the same number one quarterback? Same number one quarterback. That would be Mr. Malik Willis. Uh, I'd say arm strength-wise, he's probably got the strongest arm, one of the strongest arms in the in the draft this year. Um, I just think sometimes as well, um, reading a defense, especially an NFL-style defense, you know, you do get knocked for the competition that you play against. And also with as much as he runs, he is not very accurate on the run throwing the football as well. So those are some things that I feel like you can work on, but for sure he's, he's been number one for me. I think he's the least likely to suffer significant injuries for how mobile he tends to be. He's also the quarterback most likely to have designed runs for him. A la like a Josh Allen type with the way he runs. He's not the fastest quarterback in this class. But I also think that like the Ole Miss game that Liberty played and he had like five or six interceptions in that game gives me a little bit of pause to translating immediately to a NFL starter. 
I still, I don't think there's a single quarterback in this group that I would trust as my starter day one, let alone sometime in the middle of the year, like you're waiting for the transition, the average number one quarterback, let's say, for example, I'm trying to think who, who were the last couple of guys where they sat for a few games and they were just basically biding time, waiting to be the number one guy. Justin Fields, I guess, would be the big or the most recent example I can think of offhand where you were going to go with Andy Dalton to start the year and then eventually it was going to transfer over to Fields. I don't even think that uh, Malik Willis is going to be ready in year one to make that type of transition. If you're selecting him, he's as a long-term project, but again, I think he's the most athletically gifted in this class. And so you're probably taking a project. If you select any of the quarterbacks here, if they go in round one, I think it's only because of the fifth year option control that you'd have as a team more than anything else. So which position would you like to do next? Um, Let's go to running back. Um, But you did. You did 10, um, like you always do more than we should. So I <laughs> no, that's have fine. fives, so you can go through yours. No, that's cool. No, we can start at five and I'll just throw up my full rankings list on the website. I'm sure no one really wants to hear uh, 10 through five or 10 <laughs> through six. Excuse me. You got some very interesting people in your 10 through six, though. Like some someone for sure that I have in my top five, two for sure, but. Anyway, um, my number five is I'm going to go with James Cook. I was talking to you about this before we came on the air. I think he's somebody um, that depending on where he goes as well, um, he could end up being the best running back in this class, or he could end up being a pretty decent one. Virtually already a wide receiver as it is. So, you know, he's going to get a lot of the third down work. Um, Very good pass blocker, but also great vision, great footwork. There's just something about these Cook kids when they run, it just, it looks pretty and they make it look very easy and effortless. So I'm going to go with James Cook. Good feet, always eat. So I'm going to preface my list a little bit in the top five, especially with saying that I crafted this with a PPR uh, league mindset. And so my rankings will reflect a little bit of that. And that's why my number five is what most people wouldn't consider the number two back coming into this draft. That's Kenneth Walker. I think Kenneth Walker is very limited as a pass receiver right now. He at best only had one good year at Michigan state. And yes, for a time was a Heisman candidate, but he barely got any run at wake forest where they were constantly slinging the ball up and down. I don't know if he's necessarily bad in pass protection, because it wasn't something that he was asked to do a ton of at Michigan State, although I think he held up just well enough in the the times that he was. And while he could be a three down back, I just don't see the fantasy viability of a guy who I think is just primarily a power in between the tackles runner. I don't think he has the lateral ability or the dynamism to be able to break off runs at the next level. And so I think he's going to be a specialist but I don't know what his, depending on where he ends up, I don't know what his overall value is going to be. I just know that I personally will be overlooking his potential draft stock because other people will be much higher on him than I will. Yeah. And I'm kind of one of those people. He rolls in at number two for me, just very interesting prospect ran a four, three, eight at the combine. Um, Very good feet, very, very quick, but, you know, there, there is 
a little bit of immaturity as well with his running. You feel like he kind of makes decisions before he should. Like I would say, like picking a rushing lane. Like maybe he predetermines a little bit um, before snap or before the snap, but at the same time protects the football. Doesn't fumble very much, if at all. I think he only had like one fumble or something all last year. I think that's something I heard. But a very a very one dimensional though one cut runner. But he's very good with that one cut. So depending on where he goes, I I can most definitely see where you're at. For me, the tears in this entire draft aren't very far off. So it's not very much between, especially four and two for me. All right. So your number four is? My number four is Damian Pierce out of Florida. So we had Um, the same number four. Yeah. Sorry. I had his measurables lined up here. No, that's all right. I, the reason I had him for, and it just slightly ahead of Kenneth Walker, is he has a certain level of nastiness, but I yeah. think that they're very similar prospects. They don't add a lot in the passing game from as much as I can tell, and Walker is probably a faster and quicker back, but Pierce has this ability to just run angry and run through people that I kind of like, and so if he ends up with the right team where let's say, for example, like a Marshawn Lynch to the Seattle Seahawks type of situation. I think he could be very welcomed by a fan base really looking for that type of attitude. Yeah, I mean, especially in today's NFL, you know, where you have a little bit of the thunder and the lightning, I think he's somebody that will almost guarantee get all of the goal line work at wherever he goes. But like you said, yes, grown man, like this is a grown ass dude and he likes the violent nature of the game. You know, like you said, though, he's not you're not going to find very much work in the passing in the passing areas with him, but ends up in the right situation on the right offense that scores a lot of points. He could be very, very valuable. So your number three, then my number three is Isaiah Spiller. Um, I know he was one of the ones that I saw for you that you had outside of your top five. I think you I'm looking at it right now. You had him at number eight. Why? Why is that? So I think this is me kind of leaning on the draft experts and maybe this is a late process thing, but he did not measure well at either his pro day or the combine from what I can remember and has really kind of fallen off of stock since then. I think coming into the combine and kind of all of this pre-draft nonsense that we go through every year, it was between him, it was Brees Hall, and it was Kenneth Walker is basically your 1A, 1B, 1C in this class. Now, I think since, I just don't know where he's going to be drafted if he's falling down draft boards. Now, if he ends up in an advantageous situation, I think he moves up in what I would consider my prospects. But to me, this likely says that he's going to be a day three pick as opposed to a day two pick. And so he may not end up in a great situation. He may end up as the second or third back in a bad situation. And so I guess I'm just not as curious on him as I once was, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I think this time last year, a lot more people were a lot higher on him than they are at this point this year. You know, it is very interesting. And I was one of those people, you know, I thought he was going to fight for one of the top two spots. And I think I'm even being a little bit generous here, putting him at number three. But there isn't really anything he does really amazing, right? But for me, I don't think there's a lot that he does awful either. 
I think he picks up blocks well enough to be on the field. I think he's a very hard runner and decent enough in the passing game. And he's big enough, you know, six feet, 220 pounds. So he'll get a decent amount of goal line work as well. So that's why I kind of have him in the middle. Cause I don't really know what to make of him. So then my number three is a guy that's a little bit under heralded and a guy. I actually watched a few different games for him this last season, a guy who I think gets a lot of hidden yardage. Like he'll get hit at first contact and wiggle for like an extra couple of yards. And he seems to do that almost every time he touches the ball. He is a true workhorse back if he gets the opportunity. I don't think he adds much in the passing game, but this is just a guy I kind of believe in. So at number three, I have Tyler Allgaier from BYU. I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't know too much about him until I was looking at your listing. And right now I'm kind of looking at this combine thing. Not great. Ran a four, six. So I guess, Tell us a little bit more why you think he is worthy of that ranking for you. I just think that there was, it may be an intangible quality more than anything else. Like from a build. Yeah. I guess I test could be part of that. And I'll admit that he was one of the backs I'd probably seen a couple more times than most others. But again, I think there's a hidden yardage aspect to how he plays the game. He's able to slide through a lot of tackles, a lot through a lot of arm tackles. He's able to make good cuts, good decisions. And while he might not be the fastest or the most fleet of foot, he just has a good running back sense for how to get extra yards where there are ordinarily weren't any. I mean, the amount of times that I watched him at BYU and there were no holes to go to, and he seemed to somehow find yards it just kind of amazed me the football sense that this guy has. Now, I don't think his measurables are off the charts, but I think his body type and overall ability leads me to believe that he might be a good number two back somewhere and be a good thunder to somebody's lightning that could be an effective back. All right, so you're number two then. Oh, you already Um, gave Kenneth Walker. Yeah, my number two, yeah. My bad. So my number two is actually a guy that I think is this year's Michael Carter. He is probably the best PPR back on the board. And so just from a natural ability, he's not going to be a three down back. He could be the next Austin Eckler though. And that's Rashad White out of Arizona State. Yeah, for me, he came in at number six. He just missed it. And exactly, that's exactly who I thought of when I watched him. I was like, he's got a little bit of Austin Eckler in his game. Does a little bit of everything. Um, Very good runner. Very good in the passing game. It'll be very interesting to see what type of offense that he ends up in. Simply put, I think that a running back's ability to catch passes out of the backfield is more valuable than ever before, particularly in PPR and half PPR leagues. And so this is a guy who's more than likely not going to be drafted by a running back needy team. It's going to be for a running back excess where he can fit in as a niche level player, but be able to have stuff designed for him. He could be kind of a Chase Edmonds type that is surplus to needs, but end up getting a lot of fantasy value between the 20s. And so because of that, I think that this is a guy that maybe not immediately in his first year, but by year two could be kind of this sleeper underneath uh, the radar type of guy. All right, and your number one must be the same as my number one, To me, this was the unquestioned number one running back on the board. Who do you got? 
Yeah, it's going to be Brees Hall, and for sure, I think he's kind of in a tier of his own in the running back uh, room this year. He does a little bit of everything. Um, not amazing in the passing game, but serviceable. But he kind of just scores touchdowns from all over the place, doesn't he? Like he loves being in the end zone. Um, a little bit of, you know, not the most stylish runner. He's not going to juke people out, you know, and he's not going to do anything crazy to make you go, oh my gosh. But he's just a very, very good runner. Um, very good size as well and runs a 4-4-40. That's not going to hurt either. Unless he ends up on the worst situation that is possibly imaginable or, I don't know, blows out his Achilles right before camp, something of that nature. Having the number one overall pick, I'm just salivating on having Brees Hall on my team for the next few years because of what he did in my college fantasy championship. He scored like 77 points. He was absolutely ridiculous in the Big 12 the last two years. And while you say that his receiving ability is so-so, I'm sorry. I watched this guy run routes. He is a polished route runner already as a back. And I, I'm looking at you know a, a Jonathan Taylor, a Le'Veon Bell type, a guy that could be a three-down back for anybody just walking onto their team. And depending on where he ends up, I've heard as high as I think it was 25 to the Bills, this could be a great situation for me, or it could be an absolutely terrible situation for me. It wouldn't matter. I'm thinking that this guy is by far the number one pick in this draft. So if you have the number one overall pick in your dynasty draft and you don't take this guy, shame on you. Wow. I mean, hey, you he got is the pick. My dude. <laughs> I'm happy for you. So, all right. Which position group? We've got wide receiver and tight end left. Uh, we'll do wide receivers. All right. So this is probably the deepest group of any of these by far. I put down 15 wide receivers. You could just as easily put down 25. Yeah, this is this is a position group where not very much separates them. And I think a lot is going to have to do as to where these guys go and the type of offenses that they're going to be in. All right. So who is your number five? My number five is actually going to be George Pickens uh, coming off of the injury as well. You know, we haven't seen him at full strength in a little bit, but the reason why I have him at five and not any higher than that, because I'd love to put him higher because I think his talent is there just from what I've kind of read on line and everything too, like his maturity is kind of an issue and they're thinking that he needs to be in a place where there's a lot of veteran leadership in order for him to get the most out of his career but a very very good measurables for body you know he came measuring it at 63 very very fast for that size as well great run route runner um very good catcher as well doesn't drop a lot of balls but he has the potential to i think to be the number one receiver in this class but he's got to keep his head on straight i think going into the year before he got hurt most people would have probably put him in the top two or three in this particular class. I know he was rumored to be a potential for a top 10 pick coming in, but the fact that he was injured and missed almost all of the season until I think the college football playoff really has dampened his stock more or less. And so by that extension, I know he's gotten a lot of play recently into the pre-draft process, but this is a guy, you mentioned it. He's very physical at the point of attack. 
He will go up and he will get balls that are contested. He has a lot of great physical attributes. I don't think he's going to run by anybody, but this is a guy that could be your boundary receiver for the next, gosh, number of years. He probably compares best to maybe uh, a Mike Evans type, maybe not quite as big or not nearly as high a catch point, but somebody that could be that physical boundary receiver that you're looking for for the next 10 years. Now, he was my number eight on my particular list. But at number five for me is a guy that I think most fantasy gurus have been salivating over as a potential number one. I've just never quite bought into the hype. I really don't know where to put this guy on my list. Is he a great slot receiver? Is he a great boundary receiver? He's not necessarily the fastest guy in this class, but you see him with some breakaway speed in the SEC, and that's no mere feat. So I'm not sure what to do with him. I just put him below slightly some other guys that I like more. So for me, number five is Traylon Burks at Arkansas. He's someone I've kind of bounced back and forth with. I've had him as high as number one. um, But today on this very day, I have him as number three. I, I don't know. I have the same questions that you do. I think he has very good um, size for the position that he plays with very good speed. I think that matches up great. I think he is a very, very good route runner, but he's not great. Um, I, but he did play against very, very good competition his whole, you know, college career. But that being said, he's not somebody that I'm going to throw the ball up to and nine times out of 10, he's going to come down with it. I don't think he's that type of a dominant receiver. And this is where I said earlier, like I don't think the line between number five and number one is all that far. So for me, I have him as number three. I think it really does depend on which team ends up with him, what his opportunity is going to be right away, how much is going to be asked ahead of time, because I really don't think there's a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson type in this class. I think there are more likely guys that are going to break out in their second year than their first, but you may have some contributions this year. And so I just don't want somebody to put too much on this kid too early because I still think that he has not necessarily reached his full potential. But again, going back to my statement earlier, and I agree with you, he has the most possible outcomes of probably anybody on this list. I could see him being a you know, fourth or fifth wide receiver on a fantasy team. I could see him being a first wide receiver on a fantasy team. It just really depends on the situation around him, the offense that he has to work with and what coach is going to take advantage of his potential strengths. All right. Your number four, sir. My number four is uh, Garrett Wilson out of Ohio state (laughs) ran great, ran a four, three, eight comes in at six feet. Have probably the perfect size to play slot receiver in a very, very good offense. But again, I don't know where to put these people. Like, I really don't. I think a lot of these wide receivers are essentially the same. Route running is okay, but not great. But with speed, you can't teach it, right? But at the same time, I think a lot of times we overlook speed for certain people and kind of give them a pass. And they don't really show up at the next level because you need more than just speed. But I have him as number four. My rankings on him may change or will change for sure, depending on where he ends up. I think my five through 10 on my list are pretty much interchangeable to the fact of, I just want to know where they find themselves in the NFL. Like is one of them going to be with the Eagles? Is one of them going to be with Jacksonville? et cetera, et cetera. And that to me is going to be more determinant than anything else. 
is fit and team and offense and how can they utilize their particular strengths. I think all of these guys are fairly good. They're not great wide receivers. They'll be excellent NFL prospects. It's just a matter to me more than anything on which teams they end up then, whether or not I really think these guys are special. So number four for me is a guy who has really risen up in the last probably month of my evaluation, a guy that I see a lot of teams kind of hoping that he falls to the later half of the first round, if not into day two, and that is Christian Wast. Christian Watson out of North Dakota State, a very fast, very physical player, a guy who, while he didn't play against great competition, seemed to dominate even the lower competition that he was playing against. He's a guy with some exceptional ball skills, and I think he could be possibly one of the top wide receivers to ever come out of this class. I think the only reason he falls to number four for me is, again, I like the top three guys a little bit more ahead of him. And because of there are those questions surrounding what was his level of competition. Yeah. And the competition is the only reason I have him at six. Um, Cause I could see him as far up as number two for me. I mean, he's six, four ran a four, three, six. Are you fucking kidding me? Jumps 39, you know, 39 is like, really? Like this guy is kind of a freak of nature, yep. but it's the level of competition of, of who he played against. He is a pretty decent route runner, especially for as big as he is. Just kind of lacks focus sometimes on balls, has some pretty eh drops. But other than that, like I, I agree with you. I think he could be the best wide receiver that comes out of this class, or he could just be another forgotten wide receiver that comes out of this class. I don't mean to make this as a direct comparison, but I, I more or less mean to make this as a comparison to the relationship. Do you remember when Randy Moss was selected by the Vikings and they had Chris Carter and Chris Mm -hmm. Carter was one of the more polished wide receivers, great route runner, obviously a hall of famer, but he kind of took Randy in. And while Randy had exceptional ability and was just an absolute freak athlete, he got made better over the course of a few years because he was playing with Chris and got to see some of that veteran leadership. I'd really like to see Christian Watson in a place where he could learn from a veteran that could take, advantage of some of his raw ability and teach him how to play at the next level against some stronger competition, because I don't think he's an immediate starter, but again, you said the measurables are off the charts. This guy could be an absolute freak, but it's whether he ends up in the right situation with somebody who can really teach him to do all of the technique that is necessary. I mean, it's the old adage of if I gave you two runners that have or uh, exact same times, one with perfect form and one without, which one do you take? It's the one without perfect form because he can always improve. You already gave your number three, so I will give mine. And this is a guy I mentioned a little bit earlier, but fast Jordy Nelson sounds pretty good to me. He's a guy that I thought was open all over the place when he played at Cincinnati, including against Alabama in the uh, college football playoffs. And that's Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. I think this guy could be potentially exceptional at the next level. And I'm really just waiting to see where he ends up more than anything else. I just hope it's with a team that is going to be able to make him into something. He is a polished football player already. He can block, he can do just about anything that you're going to ask him to do. And so I think he fits best in one of these Kyle Shanahan, Matt or Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, uh, Sean McVay type offenses where they require their receivers to block and block effectively. But that can also be guys that are smart football players that 
constantly run great routes and somehow get open. And if he's got some of the raw athletic gifts, I think he's going to end up fitting very well into a nice NFL offense somewhere where he's an underrated prospect that somehow exceeds expectations. I'm just getting ahead of the curve by putting him at my number three. I mean, for me, I think you're, I'm going to have to go ahead and take your word for it. I don't know too much about the guy, but he is a very big body, but I don't really think you're going to get a lot of yards after the catch from somebody like this. It'll be interesting to see where he lands, but you are much higher on him than I am. All right. Who is your number two? My number two. Sorry. uh, My number two is Drake London from USC. He's a lot of people's number one. I can see that too. (laughs) See, it's hard to even explain why I have him at two because I've been going back and forth with him. You know, earlier today when I was thinking about it, he wasn't for a little bit. He wasn't even in my my top five. That's literally how close I have all these people. But another big body guy, 6'4", runs pretty well for the size that he is. Um, Made some big time plays um, at USC, probably one of their only targets um, or their most consistent targets in their offense, but kind of just a guy that packs his lunch bag and goes to work, does his work and and goes home. He's not going to do anything super flashy, but he, he produces every single time. So I I have him at two, just because I feel like he's one of the more dependable people in this, in this class. So he's also my number two wide receiver on my list. And I had him at number one, pretty much since about mid year of the college year. He put up huge numbers to start the year, had an absolutely amazing run of, I think, like six games where he put up like over a thousand yards and almost double digit touchdowns and then blew out, I think, his Achilles, if I remember right. No, excuse me. He broke his ankle. That's that's what it was. Anyway, so he's basically been out or hurt for half the year. So you didn't know what he would be later into the conference schedule. You weren't going to get him in like a bowl game against a different conference and team. So there's a lot of question marks with him. And I think the name that or the comp that comes to mind, because he's never going to necessarily run by you, but he could be a very physical point of attack receiver. I think he compares favorably to an Allen Robinson. That would be the comp that I would probably come up with. A guy who's never going to just completely run by you, but can go up and meet the ball and catch it and in traffic make a lot of spectacular catches. He'll never necessarily be the top guy on your list, but he'll consistently put up numbers year after year in a way that nobody's going to think it's sexy when you take him in your redraft leagues, but probably could end up being a winning guy for you long-term. Yeah, a good comp I heard was like a T. Higgins as well. Okay, I could buy that. I think T. Higgins is a little bit faster, but sure. So then I think we have the same number one wide receiver. Yeah, Mr. Williams will uh, unfortunately won't be coming or won't be, you know, there at the start of the year. And we probably won't see his best until probably next year as well. But a burner, somebody that can just run, run, run. Very good route runner. Another, you know, Alabama wide receiver that has very, very good uh, route running. I think my only knock on him is just the injury and how he comes back from that. Um, He needs to get a little bit bigger kind of a little bit of a smaller frame was especially as how physical at the line of scrimmage some of these cornerbacks can be but other than that I, I think he's the number one in this in this class I think he is the most talented wide receiver just from a physical and raw ability but I also think he's the most explosive and 
possibly the most polished. It's really too bad that he hurt his knee in the national championship game because I think he'd be the bona fide, no doubt, number one wide receiver in this class. And he still maybe even with the injury, the question is going to be when he can come back effectively because getting injured in January, he may not play this entire year or even at least until late in the year. So if you're taking out an entire season, I know if you're maybe the second pick in a dynasty draft lottery, and I currently have him slotted as my number two overall prospect, you're maybe not as worried because you're probably taking him with next year on your mind anyway. But if you're an NFL team trying to win now, I just don't think this is going to be your guy. So I would say that he's likely to end up in the early part of the draft or with a team that doesn't necessarily think it, this is going to be their year, but is building for next year. Question. It'll be interesting to see if he's drafted like that in dynasty though. You know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where he's, he's kind of taken. You would, you would think then that he would go earlier, especially, you know, obviously the teams that are picking earlier obviously didn't have a very good year, but with dynasty also, you can turn your team around very quickly, but it'll be really interesting to see where he goes with that knee injury. He's obviously still going to go in the first round though, right? Like he's not going to get past 110. I can't imagine he would. I mean, I, I think everybody would be silly to let him fall that far. Personally, as far as teams in our particular league that would be selecting him, I would think that teams two, three, I would say four and nine would probably be the most likely because of what their teams currently exist as and uh, what they're trying to do this next season. Why, why, why did you laugh? No, I just, it's funny because you have the whole draft order figured out in your head. That's, oh, I that's thought funny. it was because when I said nine, you were like, Oh, that's me. No, no, man. I'm, I, I, I'm not worried about, my picks this year. I'm very happy that I have a quarter of the first 20 picks for next year. Mm. I'm pretty excited about that. So we'll see. All right. So tight ends is the only position group left. And you said before we got on the air that you didn't have any. So I'll I'll just do my, my numbers um, seven through four. And these are the four guys that I actually think are more inline blockers as opposed to the wide receiver tight end types guys that I'd be keeping on my mind for probably about a year or two down the road when they've kind of fit into their offenses, but aren't going to necessarily be guys that are going to be contributory right away. So maybe in next year's fantasy draft, when these guys are hanging around because they didn't make anybody's roster, they'll have their breakout year. But number seven for me is Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin. Number six is Charlie Kohler out of Iowa State. Number five, Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State. And number four, Greg Dolchich out of UCLA. I think all four could be exceptional. I think all four could be exceptional tight ends at the next level. I think all four of them are going to find a role as the second or third tight end in the group. It's just going to take them a little bit longer time because I don't think that they're going to get a lot of opportunities early on because they're not being brought in for their receiving skills right away. But if you're a Badger fan, you already know that Jake Ferguson is a fairly good pass catcher and a decent route runner in a run-heavy scheme. If he fits in on the right team, let's say Green Bay Packers or a New York Jets, a Miami Dolphins for what they're planning to do with their running games and the type of system that they're running, a Los Angeles Rams, this guy is going to fit in and catch balls. And I think that could be any four of these guys. 
I just uh, happen to rank them in that manner. At number three, I have Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina. I think he is the most sure thing as far as a receiving tight end goes, the more wide receiver tight end type. And he showed a lot of explosiveness, put up a lot of numbers this last year at Coastal Carolina. I didn't think that his combine numbers were terrible. And so as a result, I think this is a guy, depending on, again, where he ends up, could be somewhat fantasy relevant, falling somewhere between tight end two and tight end one by the end of the year. Uh, Number two is probably the most raw prospect, but a guy that gives you the most potential going forward. He's again, going to need probably a year or two because he's only been playing tight end for about three calendar years at this point. He switched from quarterback to tight end after I think his first year. And so he's a guy with a lot of measurables. He's somewhat of an athletic freak, but he still is learning the position. So he's going to need some time. And that's Jaylani Woods out of Virginia. This is a guy who is a graduate transfer. So he's coming in a little bit older. So he's probably not going to offer you as much upside of a longer term window because he's coming into the NFL a little bit older than some of these other guys. But I think once he hits his stride, if he can finally master his position, he will be an exceptional tight end at the next level. And number one for me is the guy who I think everybody has rated as their number one tight end coming into the draft, a guy who may somehow end up at the back end of the first round, but I don't think it's likely he'll probably be a day two pick. And that's Trey McBride out of Colorado state a guy who had a lot of receptions this last year, didn't get targeted a lot in the red zone, but again, Colorado state, uh, while they did score a lot of points this last season was uh, putting up a lot of numbers in between the twenties, wasn't necessarily a huge uh, red zone team. And so I think he has some ability. I think he's a little bit limited on his upside, but he's probably the number one tight end coming into this draft as far as what his productivity right off the bat is going to be. Well, yeah, I, it's just a group that I just haven't gotten to, to yet. Not a very sexy group for me to watch film on. <laughs> As a George Kittle owner, I'm always looking for the next guy to replace him with. Yeah, because you never know when he's going to break down. You mean <laughs> when he's going to miss six games? Continue to break down. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Overall rankings. I'll just give you my top 10 because I can. Uh, I have number 10 is Trey McBride, the guy I just talked about. Number nine, George Pickens. Number eight, Chris Olave. Seven, Garrett Wilson. Six, Traylon Burks. Five, Christian Watson. Four, Alec Pierce. Three, Drake London. Two, Jamison Williams. And number one, overall, you guessed it, Brace Hall, my boy. Kenneth Walker. My bad. (laughs) Now, Kenneth Walker is my number 16 prospect. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm happy for you that um, it's always fun having the first pick, you know, digging in and then locking into a guy. And then sometimes the draft hits and then you're like, I don't know if I, but I'm, I'm happy to hear that he's your guy, no matter what. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, something cool. would have to go significantly wrong for him not to be my guy. Yeah. I have no problem telling anybody that. So. I, I said this to you the other day, like the biggest thing I think that people, the biggest mistake people make, especially when playing dynasty is like not having a plan, Like you got to be thinking ahead at the same time of being in the moment, you got to be thinking ahead, but you also got to, if you're going to do something, do it, like make a decision and go out and do it and make it happen. And I think that's how you become more successful. I think that's how you be, get more opportunities. Yeah. Are you going to get burned sometimes? Yeah. 
but you're also going to get burned sometimes just sitting and not doing anything either. So, and I think that's what makes it fun. You know, we get to be um, GMs without having to um, stress about our jobs, <laughs> our livelihoods, and not having to spend any real money, I guess. But I don't know. I'm, I'm Although happy I would have enjoyed the real salary if somebody wanted to give it to yeah. me. Yeah, 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 that would be fun. I'd hear you. I'd for sure demand a job. Uh, Ball Boy might be in store. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Yeah, I, I'll i say, like, Brees Hall was not my locked-in guy immediately. Like, I obviously honed in on him because I thought, okay, more than likely, there's going to be a running back at the top of this class because the top three were the most likely to be the number one overall pick. And I thought for a time it would be maybe one, two, three coming into this kind of pre-draft process. But the more it shook out, I don't like Walker as much. I obviously don't like Spiller. He didn't even make my top seven. And so if it's going to be one, it's going to be Brees Hall. And he's kind of just separated from everything that I watched during the regular season from his, I think, NCAA record now with, what was it, 25 straight games with a rushing touchdown. He had like 40-some touchdowns rushing in college and six receiving He was an exceptional all-purpose guy who could run routes out of the backfield. And I just think that he might be the best prospect that I've seen outside of maybe Jonathan Taylor since, I don't know, maybe like I'm having trouble finding good comparisons for him. Like I'm just excited to have him on my team. (laughs) Yeah, I'm happy for you. Well, thank you. So that's going to take care of our pre-draft process here. We'll have some reactions probably next week after the draft and everything is shaken out. And then uh, we're going to do our normal mock draft uh, right after the draft or post-draft mock draft. And I have to remember how to say that exactly without tripping over my own tongue. But for now, thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We do appreciate you. We will be back again soon to discuss all of the draft fallout. But until then. Happy draft week, everyone. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. You can also now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.